Welcome to ESIM's Global Economy Podcast. My name is Fredrik Eriksson and today I am talking to my colleague Philip Lamprecht. Philip is a senior economist here at ESIM and is specialized in international political economy and especially the political economy of trade, which was also the theme of his PhD dissertation at the London School of Economics. Today we are going to talk about Germany and the German economy and more specifically about a new paper that Philip has written called What is Wrong with the German Economy? That is a pretty bold and suitably provocative topic, and I think the subtitle says a little bit more about where Philip is going with this analysis. The case for openness to technology and human capital. Philip, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Frederick, and thank you very much for having me. So, what is wrong with the German economy? Philip, I think many people around Europe have grown up or have at least grown used to thinking about the German economy as a success story, a country that is especially strong in its export performance and it has lots of firms that have been very successful in making their way around the world. There are some underlying problems in the economy and you go into some of them in your paper. I was hoping we could start there, basically diagnosing these structural problems in the German economy. Philip, what are these problems that you talk about in your paper? Yes, so thank you very much for this introduction. And I do understand and agree that this is a bold title. Just quickly wanted to come back to that. But it is an important topic that I think uh, needs to be discussed. And as you already pointed out, uh, one might say, okay, what is not to like about the German economy? As you pointed out, rightly, many have... Uh, seen it and rightly so as a powerhouse but indeed there are some structural economic problems that are not just visible but actually uh, growing and these structural problems concern demography technological skills and also the slow pace of economic modernization for example when we look at the german trade surplus it's currently standing at close to eight percent of gdp and this is really one of the biggest in the world but this trade surplus is not just about the competitive German companies and that they've made a success story out of globalization. It also reflects demographic changes. Uh, for example, we see an increasing average age and big cohorts of people that actually need to save for their impending retirement. So the German population is increasingly a population of savers. And so the trade surplus is also very much a factor of low German consumption, which then in turn leads to imports. So it is important to look beneath the surface a little bit, and then we can observe some of these structural economic problems. Another example is to look at the productivity growth slowdown, which many observers agree is an underlying weakness in the German economy. Of course, this weakness is shared also with other developed economies. But when it comes to Germany, one factor behind it is actually productivity slowdown in labor productivity. And one might, of course, ask, why is this the case? So we've seen in Germany successful labor market reforms, and they did succeed in the integration of less qualified workers into the German labor market. And this has led to an increase 
in employment, of course. But then again, at the same time, we have also observed a decline in average productivity per employed person. So what we are seeing here is a composition effect on average labor productivity. However, this overall productivity slowdown is not only caused and not only a question of labor productivity. We also see that the growth in total factor productivity has slowed down remarkably. Uh, for example, it now stands at minus 0.33% compared with, for example, 2.46% in 2011. Now, one natural response might be these structural problems, okay, they exist, but surely digitalization will come to the rescue, especially in an economy as large as Germany, where the listener might think policymakers are aware of digitalization, the potential benefits of it, and actively engaged, of course, in realizing the potentials for the large German economy. However, we can observe that digitalization so far has not come to the rescue. And many observers have noted that there have not been enough productivity enhancing impulses coming from the ICT intensive sectors. So what are the reasons for this? One reason is that Germany actually performs rather poorly when it comes to infrastructure. So these are digital infrastructure issues that we should talk about. For example, mobile broadband subscription or internet bandwidth. Another problem that is actually bigger is that firms are not successful enough in making use of ICT technologies efficiently in their operations and get their workforces also to adjust to these new ways of organizational performance, especially also in services. So this is a two-sided uh, issue. There are two sides of this issue that need to be looked at. The first one is the issue of infrastructure, where we can observe that Germany is lagging behind when it comes to digital infrastructure. The second issue is, and this is an important one I'm going to get into later on, is the use of businesses, the business usage of this infrastructure that many observers agree is not enough at the moment. Yeah, no, indeed. And I mean, we can, let's, let's talk about it right away. I mean, one reflection I have listening to what you just said, Philip, is that there is a gap or discrepancy between, on the one hand, the impression that a lot of people have of the German economy, looking at it as an export juggernaut, very successful, uh, especially within its industrial sectors with lots of big multinationals that have been surprisingly good at penetrating different markets around the world. And as you say, making a benefit out of globalization. Many of those, of course, they will have pretty modern type of structures internally for its governance, for IT, ICT. They're probably pretty skilled also at using data and big data now in order to improve their competitiveness. On the other hand, every time you travel around Germany, you run into many of, of these examples where that broader impression of the German economy isn't really backed up by our own impressions while while moving around in Germany. I mean, I've, I've been surprised several times on, for instance, how difficult it can still be 
to pay with a credit card somewhere that you a lot of shops that require that you pay with cash looking at more modern forms of payment using your mobile phone or using apps that's even more remotely you get into lot lot parts of the country where internet penetration is pretty bad where you have difficulties to just connect your mobile to a good roaming service in order to access access data to your your mobile or to connect with your computer so there are a few sort of discrepancies here that i think may surprise or at least it's it's these real life examples may be a bit surprising for people who just watch the german economy uh, from the outside and only read about it in the statistics not having these first-hand impressions of how difficult it can be to use modern technology in Germany. You have in your paper a few charts that show Germany's technology performance and how it is pretty distant from the frontier, that is, distant from how the most advanced OECD countries perform. And I think it's, I mean, some of these charts do really demonstrate the, the problem that you're talking about with not just sort of poor infrastructure, but also poor adoption by businesses. And I suppose this must be a pretty strong drag on the German economy. So can, can, you, can you say a bit more about the frontier analysis that you've done in your paper? And what, what does it mean to be distant from the frontier, the technological frontier? Yes, and I just wanted to quickly start by following up on your real-life examples, uh, just for those listening, one example that is apparently also often used is the internet connection that cuts off or even the cell phone connection that cuts off when driving in high-speed German trains. And this is something that I've heard from some international colleagues that I talked to when traveling abroad. They were su surprised uh, that the Wi-Fi connection is uh, not stable when traveling in fast trains. And this makes, made me think as well that yeah, Germany should be and is a very advanced economy, but uh, yeah, it's one of these examples that uh, people keep bringing up. Uh, I think it was even once in the news uh, when a German minister was bringing this up as well. Uh, it's one of these examples that are often brought up, the internet Wi-Fi connection in ICE trains, uh, just to bring up another one. But thanks for the introduction to this frontier analysis. In the first instance, I would like to explain a bit as well or point out what a frontier analysis actually is. And uh, what we have done in the study is to analyze certain uh, performance indicators, for example, some pretty basic digital adoption indicators. And then we have compared these indicators when it comes to the performance of leading countries in the EU and also in the OECD with Germany. So we've always compared the best of the EU with the best of the OECD and then we have seen where Germany is in comparison. And in the first figure we have analyzed the digital consumer absorbing gap. This means that is, uh, it is about personal ICT usage dimensions. We have a number of different indicators and we have observed that for instance, although there is still a gap in the extent to which retired or other inactive persons use the internet, 
this gap is relatively small. So a gap between Germany and the OECD or EU frontier. Uh, we do see a small gap here. And in the other dimensions that we have used, Germany is actually performing uh, fairly well. So the dimensions that I'm talking about are, for example, individuals with a low level of educational attainment using the internet. Germany is not lagging too far behind. Or the unemployed using the internet. Or individuals with a middle level of educational attainment using the internet. We also have analyzed households, internet access at home in rural areas, or households, computer access at home in rural areas. Um, so these are all consumer absorbing dimensions where we can look at the individual or consumer performance when it comes to digital use. We've also analyzed individuals with a high level of educational attainment, for example, or employees and self-employed as well as family workers using the internet. And finally, females and students uh, using the internet. And here, overall, as a trend, we can observe that when it comes to the individual or the consumer use, uh, Germany is fairly close to the frontier. It's lagging behind a bit, but it is fairly close. And I'm saying fairly close because I am comparing this with the digital business absorbing gap. And this is the second uh, figure in our study where we analyzed in a frontier analysis the gap between Germany and the EU, as well as the gap between Germany and the OECD frontier, so the best countries in both the EU and the OECD. And we can observe here when it comes to the business dimension that there is actually a diffusion gap between Germany and the frontier which definitely exists when it comes to first series of indicators. For example, businesses purchasing cloud computing services or business with form businesses with formal policy to manage ICT privacy risks. Another one is persons employed using a computer with internet access or businesses receiving orders over computer networks. We also have final three indicators, for example, broadband connection, businesses using customer relation software and businesses with a website where Germany is performing a bit better. It's closer to the frontier, but with regards to other indicators that I mentioned, the gap is relatively large and includes areas of cloud computing, ICT privacy risks, or businesses with a website for orderings and customer management. The general view that becomes apparent from this frontier analysis is that Germany performs relatively poorly with regards to business usage. And German policymakers should focus on increasing business usage of these existing digital endowments. This is also illustrated by the low digital intensity of firms. And we've analyzed this, Germany ranks below the EU average when it comes to enterprises with high levels of digital intensity. So with, what we can really observe is that the usage of businesses, of ICT technologies and organizational structures is behind and lagging behind the frontier in the EU and also in the OECD in many areas. And secondly, that the digital intensity of enterprises in Germany is below the EU average.
that is pretty striking in itself, I think, to see basically to do a different summary to the one that you just did, Philip, which is that when it comes to basic digital human capital in Germany, it looks pretty good. So on these indicators you mentioned and others that you've also looked at, Germany and German consumers are pretty close to where most other advanced Europeans are, where you can find other people in the OECD world, Americans from Japan, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand, etc. But the big gap comes when we look at business adoption and the way that businesses are using uh, digital services in order to improve their offers and, of course, their relations to customers and suppliers. That's really where Germany is lagging compared to other EU and OECD countries. Now, we are going to talk a little bit more about demography and human capital soon, but let's dig a little bit deeper into what factors that can explain that German businesses in particular have this problem. If we assume sort of that, at least when it comes to basic digital human capital, Germany is not confronted with a huge problem there, even if there are, of course, more things that needs to be done. For instance, you know, making sure that elderly people have good access to internet, that they can, you know, pay their bills on the internet and, and do all of these things since we are, as a society, moving more online. But in general terms, Germany is performing pretty well. So on the business front, then, what could explain that Germany performs as a laggard on the business side? So here there are quite a lot of different types of reasons for the situation in Germany and why it is not at the frontier when it comes to business usage. And we can start here with business environment factors. So the first thing that is important uh, to understand is that increasingly modern types of operation that business processes need to adopt, they are known as digital transformation or digital business transformation. And this is a, a concept that is important for understanding what companies need to be able to do in the changing times of digitalization. They need to be able to integrate into their processes increasingly modern types of operation. And they need to, so to say, develop their digital business agility. This is something that becomes very important, for example, when we talk about so-called digital disruption, which means that innovation in the realm of, let's say, digital technologies actually change the way that uh, the sector or specific segments of sectors work or can be competitive. And companies that want to be successful need to be able to adjust or to absorb these changes in an efficient and often also fast way in order to stay competitive and also have this digital business agility. So that's the first contextual point that's important to understand. And here is, of course, where policymakers come in because, in part, these aspects of digital business transformation are affected by environmental factors. And uh, so digital business transformation is driven by a number of different factors, for example, technology itself, consumer behavior, markets, 
but uh, as I said, also environmental factors. And this is also very important for non-digital sectors. And that's important to keep in mind as well. Uh, you might, for example, think that these issues that we are discussing, yes, fine, they are important, but they actually only matter for as a part of the economy. So we're actually just talking about the, so to say, digital economy or digital sectors. But this is actually not true because many of these factors that are environmental are also crucially important for non-digital sectors. For example, many key services such as corporate consultancy services or legal and accounting, management consulting, as well as professional and scientific or technical activities, but also advertising and market research. These are all services that are crucial support services for companies active in non-digital sectors. And they are key for their competitiveness as well as the ability to trade. And these support services are also often dependent on digital environmental factors and their productivity is affected by these digital environmental factors. For example, we can observe that productivity growth in administrative and support services in Bavaria has been relatively low compared to other regions in Germany. That's an analysis we did in a supporting study a couple of years ago for this study that we are discussing now. And we have observed that Bavaria, which is of course a regional powerhouse for the German car industry, actually has administrative and support services that are by comparison showing a low productivity growth. So we see here how digital environment, environmental factors can affect very important support services also for the non-digital part of the economy. But environmental factors are also important for other reasons. And here another example is the case of biotech. BASF, for example, focused much of its biotechnological research and development in Germany into GMOs. But then many observers say that it's actually moved abroad because of, so to say, hostile regulations and a climate of innovation skepticism. So in this particular sector. And so we do see that these environmental factors are very important in a number of ways, both for digital parts of the economy, but also for the non-digital sectors. And if I can jump here, so environmental factors, are we also talking about regulation as an environmental factor? I'm asking since, I mean, what you say sounds very plausible in the sense that you have technological change going on, which can lead to pretty strong disruption in many different sectors. But that disruption may not come if you have regulations that prevent, for instance, the entry of new competitors or foreign foreign actors that want to come in and compete, then it's going to take a much longer time in order to get that change in that particular sector, right? Is regulation one of the factors here as well? Yes, regulation is. And just to be, to explain, to be a bit more clear in the specific factors that I mean when I talk about environmental factors, they do also include regulations, uh, such as, for example, product market regulations. They do include this as well, but they also, and this is an important point, they go beyond. So we have, for example, seen recent research that has identified a whole range of specific areas in which policymakers or governments can facilitate 
this process of digital business transformation with concrete policy initiatives. And these include, for example, investments in digital human capital and engineering, then boosting business investment in knowledge, capital, and research, also improving competition in the digital intense sectors, facilitating access to finance, especially for SMEs, removing inadequate regulation, for example, regarding product market regulation, employment protection regulation, and ICT regulation. And this even comes down to addressing relevant tax problems. So regulation is a key aspect in uh, facilitating digital business transformation and a key basket of aspects uh, of factors when it comes to the environmental factors that we talked about. And here, I mean, is, is Germany different from other OECD countries? I mean, how distant is German, Germany from the frontier when it comes to product market regulations? That's a very good question, of course, because we, when we talk about these different factors, we need to look where Germany stands. And we did perform here a frontier analysis again on the economy-wide product market regulation indicators, such as public ownership, involvement in business operations, simplification and evaluation of regulations, the administrative burden for startups, barriers in service and network sectors, and barriers to trade and investment more generally. So these are the factors that we have analyzed when it comes to product market regulations. And we can see that across the board, Germany is lagging behind the OECD frontier, especially when it comes to public ownership, where Germany is even performing below average in the OECD. So not even close to the frontier. Germany is performing a bit better when it comes to involvement in business operations, this indicator, and also when it comes to administrative burden for startups. But there are still many things to be done that can be improved uh, so that Germany could be closer to the OECD frontier. All right. Let's um, move to demography and human capital, because I think this is a really interesting part in your paper. And if we start by looking a little bit more into demographic factors, because, I mean, to give a background here, so what you're talking about in your paper is basically that Germany, as well as many other countries in the world, they now have sort of a problem or their challenges when it comes to the supply of human capital, and especially pretty advanced human capital. We're now not anymore talking about basic digital skills that you can use the internet or be connected to the internet when you when you are in the office. I mean, these, these are much more about engineering skills, AI skills, etc. You point this out to be a pretty substantial problem for Germany. But equally interesting, you say that this problem may be exacerbated by Germany's demographic development. So what is the problem with Germany's demographic development? So we do see quite a lot of striking developments when it comes to shortage of skilled labor force. I mean, just to briefly bring this up, there's a growing gap of supply and demand for IT specialists. We have currently, in 2019, latest available data, 124,000 posts for IT specialists being vacant. That is a large increase from 82,000 the year before. And so this gap that you mentioned 
the shortage in itself is increasing at an ever more rapid pace. And you're completely right in saying that a part of this is also caused by demographic developments in Germany. And so the question, of course, is why is this the case? What exactly are these demographic developments? And the important point here is that we all know Germany has an aging population, but the important point here is also to look at projections, projections of future labor force potential. And for example, if we look at a radical scenario without migration or participation effects, some analysts say that Germany's labor force potential would be estimated to decline by 7.5 billion people or 16 percent until 2035 if we take 2017 as a baseline. So another reduction of 7.5 billion people in the German labor force projected for the next 14 years. The striking point here is that even with migration effects, this decline could be postponed, but it could not be stopped. So if we take a more realistic projection scenario and look at that and assume that 200,000 net migration per year is introduced as another factor, which is something that is definitely a more realistic scenario, Germany's labor force potential is still estimated by many analysts to decrease by 2.7 million or 6% from 2017 to 2035. So this shows us that migration is not the complete solution. It is definitely able to postpone the trend, but not to stop it. And why exactly is this the case? So we've looked a bit deeper at the demographic developments that are estimated to keep shrinking Germany's labor force. And the situation is actually uh, not getting better anytime soon because according to recent statistics, the smallest cohorts are in retirement age at the moment, while actually the largest will get there in about 10 to 15 years. So the shortage of skilled labor will translate into a need to become more open to foreign labor and technology, even despite migration effects. And this is one of the points that uh, we can discuss about a bit more. It is that if Germany's workforce itself offers fewer staff to produce what it needs, then Germany is somewhat bound to become more dependent on foreign technology in the future if it does not adjust its policies. And I imagine, I mean, that must be sort of a pretty difficult task in itself. It's one thing to become more open to foreign technology, but that may be difficult as well, because as I read the political tea leaves in Berlin right now, they aren't exactly moving in the direction of becoming more open to foreign technology. They are rather becoming a bit defensive on on issues that are about technological competition, business model competition, openness to different type of firms that may disrupt incumbent sectors and uh, incumbent firms. But if we, if we move on to labor, having a net migration, I mean, that's probably possible in itself. But the question is having a net migration of high-skilled labor because, I mean, what we see right now is that it's not just Germany, but many other countries in the world that struggle to find highly skilled labor to substitute labor that are retiring or that are moving out of the labor force for other people. 
So it, it isn't just journalists that are looking around to find all these IT engineers and AI specialists. It's also all, well, basically all the other, other countries in the world as well. So this may be sort of a, a far bigger challenge than we have thought about than in, in the past. I completely agree. And this is something that we can observe already now. And it's going to become an even bigger problem in the future, at least according to projections. Uh, for example, right now, it takes German companies about six months on average to fill an IT specialist vacancy. And this is a problem because as innovation cycles in the IT sector suggest, they will become much shorter than in other sectors and they are already shorter than in other sectors. And having a vacancy of half a year is something that can severely affect the competitiveness of companies or it can lead to outsourcing of projects abroad. Is there something particular about Germany that makes this issue perhaps a bit more challenging than other countries? The reason for why I'm asking is that I would imagine that, I mean, take all these sort of big automotive multinationals in Bavaria that you mentioned previously. I mean, I suppose BMW, they can attract a lot of foreign skills coming to work in their R&D part, either in Bavaria itself or in other parts of the world. But Germany is also known for being a country or an economy with a very large portion of small and medium-sized enterprises. It takes pride in its Mittelstand with all these often industrially oriented firms that are suppliers to the larger German companies like, for instance, BMW. But I don't get the impression that these are the type of companies that are open to foreign labor or that makes themselves very attractive to foreign labor. What do you say? I would agree here. So the first observation, as you pointed out, is that, of course, we have strong leading champions in Germany, such as, for example, uh, the German car industry and its leading companies that certainly can attract top-notch personnel. That is something that also is important to, to note here. But as you suggested already, we need to look at the, also the structure uh, of the economic situation in Germany. And indeed here, the industrial structure is important as many German businesses can be attributed to the so-called Mittelstand. The Mittelstand companies are small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs, which have less than 500 employees and annual revenues of less than 50 million euro. And here it's important to keep in mind when looking at Germany's industrial structure, that these companies form the backbone of the German economy, and they are also export-oriented. And 70% of them are located in rural areas or smaller cities. And this is where cultural factors also play a role. So we talked earlier about the process of digital business transformation, and this goes beyond mere absorption of new technologies in itself. This concept of digital business transformation is also about an absorption and the ability to efficiently adjust to and integrate these digital changes that I mentioned before, such as digital disruption, etc. And this also includes conceptually the ability to change when it comes to thought and organization culture. 
So culture specifically, when we talk about this concept of digital business transformation, plays an important part. And the cultural factor is relevant in Germany when we look at the Bittestand, because the attitude of many companies towards changing business models, especially in Mittelstand companies, when it comes meeting digitalization, often remains one of caution. And there are a couple of trends that we can observe here that might play into that. For example, the ownership and culture of Mittelstand companies are often family-based, and the decisions within the company are often long-term focused. So that is, of course, a strength, but it also has some weaknesses. For example, we can look in more detail at the workforce. One consequence of the long-term focus is the investment of Mittelstand companies into their workforce. So they are focused on continuity. And what I mean by this is continuity of employees, which leads to 44% of employees actually staying with the company for 10 years or longer. This is exceptionally high. Employees are highly committed to the company and they do identify themselves with it, leading to employee turnover as low as 3.2% a year. And many Mittelstand companies are actively supporting this, of course. For example, 80% of them offer incentives for employees to contribute to new ideas and many have initiatives such as quality circles or profit sharing programs. So please don't get me wrong here. I am fully aware that this culture and this system has a lot of strengths, but there's one point that German companies should also turn an eye to. And that is the fact that it can be difficult to fit into this model more openness to foreign high-skilled labor who may only want to come and stay for a few years before they then again move on. In addition, when access to new human capital becomes critical, it also takes a long time for Mittelstand-type companies to actually move and make themselves attractive workplaces. So, for example, too few of them are actively pursuing a high turnover of changing international high-skilled experts from abroad. And this is something that might lead to a gap for these companies when it comes to their ability to recruit high-skilled labor force in the future once a scarcity of these posts becomes more apparent. Indeed. I mean, I've, I, I know friends myself who have been offered jobs going to some of these companies in Germany, but they have declined because it felt as if they were pressured into almost a marital type of contract where they were supposed to stay for the rest of their lives. And I mean, that, that may be sort of a good proposition for some, but for sort of a, a younger, highly educated, internationally oriented group of potential labor, that is not very attractive itself. I mean, you, you may want to come and stay for a few years and then you want to move on because you want to gain other experiences in order to improve your quality, uh, your skills, etc. I'd imagine sort of that is the, the cultural factors that you talk about here may be a lot more problematic than we perhaps have thought about in the past because, as you say, I mean, in the past we've really thought about it as a strength of the Mittelstand, that they are committed to long-term relations, they invest in, in education for the labor force, etc. Yes, I agree. I would say that it was for a long time a strength. And of course, these elements cannot be changed overnight. And probably no 
radical change of overall model is absolutely necessary. It is still a strength, but the recommendation would be to keep an eye on becoming more versatile, adjust the model in order to be able to also be open for and attractive to a key resource that is global, needed, and increasingly scarce. And these are top-level, high-skilled workforce. Yep, indeed. So that was one recommendation, Philip. And let's let's end on a few other recommendations. To sum up here, we have talked about a few environmental, business environmental factors. We've talked about regulations and how Germany perhaps could become more open to and improve its uh, technology adoption, its technological performance, uh, indeed its productivity by becoming more open to foreign technology. And we have, as you just mentioned, talked about the importance of especially Mittelstand companies, but I suppose this applies to other companies as well, to basically adjust their culture and their business models to become more open to highly skilled foreign labor. Something else you'd like to add as uh, as a recommendation for uh, for Germany as it moves on to try to improve its economic performance? Yes. So we did already talk about a large number of aspects. And one could ask, so where can we go from here? How could we make progress and what could even be remedies? So of course, we have some remedies such as a focus on education and training, especially, for example, teaching of necessary IT skills. We also have talked about the merits of migration, but we have found out that this in itself is not enough and more needs to be done. And policymakers also need to come in more. So one recommendation would be for Germany's policy framework to focus on public policy initiatives actually aimed at increasing the incentives and removing the obstacles for firms to attract global high-skilled labor force. But here it's important to know, and this comes back to what we talked about, for example, when it comes to Mittelstand companies, openness alone is simply not enough. And there are two reasons for that. The first one is that there is a lot of competition and high-skilled experts in niche areas, such as AI programming, are not only interested in high salaries, they are also interested in environmental factors. And this does not only mean the location of their workplace, but also the network and spillover effects that it comes with and the opportunities to stay competitive and to advance their own future career. Basically, what I'm saying is that if you are a promising young AI expert that is able to do things that only very few people could do in a company, then you want to make sure that you are choosing your next steps in your career in a place that will have the environmental factors that you need to become more and more skilled and more and more competitive and that you are not working yourself into becoming mediocre or into losing your com own competitive edge. And these people, this type of workforce, they do think about these factors as well. It's not only about money, it's also about how they can develop themselves and how they can advance their own career. The second point is particularly important for Germany. And this is a fact that we observed 
for example, in a recent survey on global mobility with respondents in 190 countries. So we have observed that the willingness of global talent to move abroad has actually been on the decline consistently in recent years, and this has already been the case before the corona pandemic. So we see that not only is there a lot of competition for these people, but also these people actually want to move less. And if we look at the survey again, Germany has actually fallen in the rankings of top destinations for global talent in recent years, down to fourth rank globally in 2020. So Germany is getting less attractive right now, having less of that crucial resource. And so we need to not only work on being more open, we also need to work on being more attractive. To stay attractive, there are a couple of things that German policymakers could focus on. For example, they should target issues of bottleneck regulation to facilitate field testing new technologies, support innovation sandbox processes of companies, promote test beds and experimental zones for data-driven innovation in cities, enable and encourage innovation aimed, for example, at specific types of niche industries that are crucial and interesting for these talents to work with. For example, safe driving vehicles, drones, robots, or other focus areas where a highly skilled workforce needs to be further developed. Then again, German policies should focus also on the regulatory environment, also on the type of regulations that policymakers pursue. We have observed that there's a difference between so-called proscriptive and prescriptive rules. While prescriptive rules try to tell you what to do in the future, proscriptive rules try to tell you simply what not to do. And in these issue areas of digital industry with fast moving innovation cycles, it is oftentimes difficult for policymakers and regulators to keep up and meet the speed of innovation when it comes to their own policymaking. So it is better to focus on simple, clearly structured, clearly phrased rules with a clear taxonomy that prevents people from doing certain things rather than trying to tell businesses how to do things in the future because it's difficult for policymakers to do that and it's bound to be more complex regulation. All right. That was a pretty heavy agenda for German policymakers, but it's, it's certainly touched upon really, really important things. So this is um, coming from the paper that we've just been talking about, which is called With the German Economy, The Case for Openness to Technology and Human Capital, written by Philipp Lamprecht. Philip, it's been a great pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Mm -hmm.